In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Boy, oh boy, do I feel lost sometimes. So the phone rings, and a little boy answers in a whisper, The caller says, hi, is your mommy there? Yes. Can I talk to her? No. Well, is your uh, dad there? Yes. Can I talk to him? No. Well, why not? He's busy. Okay. Well, is there another adult home? Is there anybody else there? Yes. Well, who? My little sister. Well, okay. Is there another adult home? The police are there. Can I talk to him? No, they're busy. Well, what about somebody else? Is there somebody else there? Yes, the firemen are here. Well, the firemen, for Pete's sake, little guy, what's going on? The police are there, the fire are there. They're busy. Well, what's going on? Why are they all busy? They're looking for me. <laughs> This morning, we find ourselves in the midst of Luke 15, which is about lost things. The verses right before our gospel lesson this morning, you will find the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And today we get the ever so popular parable of the prodigal son, or some say parable of the lost prodigal son. As with all stories in the Bible, even the ones we know very well, it's important to set them in the context. Even though the story begins in verse 11, um, and two others, even though the story begins in verse 11, and there are two other stories before that um, about lost things, the context is given to us in verses 1 and 2. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Hungry, hurting seekers are drawing close to Jesus for more of his, the bread of life giving words. And as usual, the religious elites and stand, are standing by and grumbling. They are irritated that Jesus hangs out with and even more intimately shares a meal with people who sin. So Jesus does what Jesus does and he tells them some stories or parables about how, how God works in the world. First, he tells the parable of the lost sheep, and then he tells the parable of the lost coin, and then we get to the parable of the prodigal son. The father in the story has two sons. The youngest son goes to his dad and says, give me the share of my property that will belong to me. Now, at first glance, we may think, well, wasn't, well, isn't he a spoiled brat? He doesn't ask, he demands. But there's something even more deeper here. You see, in order for the father to give him his share of property, he had to endure a huge act of shame. Because in that time, the store of wealth was in livestock 
and real estate. The father couldn't just go to the ATM, the spit a buck, or get out his 401k. As an ancient Jewish literature tells us, that dividing the property before the father was dead was not good, and it was very shameful. Dividing the property was a public affair, and the community knew what was going on. He had to sell that part of his property. It would have been very hurtful, offensive, and because all the town knew what was going on, the father endured public humiliation. And the son knew that demanding his portion would cause his father shame. He knew what he, what he had done, and he knew that he should not receive his share of wealth until his father died. But he didn't care. So when he said, give me my share, he was basically saying, I wish you were dead. He wanted his share of the wealth more than anything And you can probably guess what happens next. You heard what happens next. The son moves to a foreign land. We can imagine it was like moving to Vegas, a place of high rolling, eating the best food, drinking the best drinks, gambling. All the late night buffets were at his fingertips. I'm guessing he also enjoyed a little time with the ladies doing things that would not make a Jewish father proud. He thought he was living his best life until he wasn't. What happened to him is what can happen to any of us. The money ran out and to make things worse, a huge famine swept the land. I can't help to think about than to think about when the pandemic first started and we were all frantic about toilet paper. There was none to be found. Or when the news comes that a hurricane is coming and we can't find a dang bottle of water anywhere. But his situation was worse. There was no food and he had no resources. He had spent it all. When the famine came, he was destitute and had to find something to earn a little bit of money so he could eat. He got a job in the fields to feed the pigs. And not only that, he was so hungry that he would have eaten whatever it was that the pigs were eating. Now we have to pause here because this is important. Remember, this was a Jewish man Pigs were off limits for Jews. They didn't hang out with them, and they certainly didn't eat pork. Pigs were unclean animals. He was so desperate and so hungry that he gave up all of his principles to earn a little bit of money to satisfy his hunger. He had hit rock bottom. He was starving and humiliated, no money and nowhere to go, not a friend in the world. All of his choices led him to a dark, lonely, isolated place. He had nowhere to go but home. So he headed home, hoping he could repent and just maybe his father would let him work 
as one of his hired hands. The Bible says, while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and he kissed him. This is such a moving scene. The only way that the father could have seen his son while he was still far off would have been because he was standing on the roof of his house looking for him. His father had not forgotten him. We can imagine that day in and day out, his father would go to the roof of his home hoping to see his son walking down the road day in and day out. And on this day, this is exactly what happened. When he saw his son walking towards their house, he was filled with compassion, compassion. He could have waited at the front door of the house, rebuked and scolded him, demanding an apology for his idiotic choices. He could have been filled with pure anger and refused to see him altogether and turn him away. But he didn't. His father was filled with compassion and he ran to him, put his arms around him and he kissed him. Now, you have to know that the first century Middle Eastern culture, men didn't run they didn't get on their jogging shorts and go for a run every day. His, when his father saw him, he would have had to gather up his robes and take off and go running to him. Nothing could have stopped his father from going to meet his son. He couldn't get to him fast enough. He didn't care that he was filthy and had been with the pigs. When his son began to repent, Dad, I've messed up and I'm sorry. He could barely get the words out of his mouth. It was almost like his dad said, bup, bup, bup. his dad said, quick, give him the best robe. Put a ring on his finger and get him some shoes. All of this means something. The best robe would mean that he would not be one of the hired hands. The ring on his finger would have, would have had the family crest, meaning that he was welcome back and to be a part of the family. And the sandals on his feet would mean that he would have dignity and value. And as when his father said to get the fatted calf, this wasn't just a yummy meal. The fatted calf would bring the community back to the table. The same community that saw the shame that the father had been through. That same community would now be gathered around this table to a party. He rolled out the red carpet for him, reconciling him to the family and to the community. And as the DJ was playing the electric slide, the brother who was working in the field heard the party that was going on. He called to one of the servants and said, what's going on? 
And then he was told that his brother had come home and his dad had thrown him this ginormous party. And the brother was mad. He was ticked off. So mad that his no good brother had been given a hero's welcome, a party for the brother who had wasted the estate money on prostitutes. Where's his consequences? Wrongdoers need to pay for what they have done. The father should have sent him a message of tough love, right? The story is often titled The Prodigal Son or The Lost Son. But I think it could be titled The Parable of the Two Lost Sons. This story shows us two ways to be lost. You can be like the prodigal who is wasteful and reckless, extravagant and uncontrollable, rejecting all that you know, lost and empty. And you can be lost by staying home, following all of the rules, being a total moralist, yet you live like your father's love is conditional, thinking you have to earn your father's love. Both of the sons had the same sin, thinking that their father's love was conditional. The world tells us that when we do bad, we have to work to get back into the good graces with our Lord. But Jesus tells us something different. I think instead of the prodigal son, we should title this story, God's Extravagant Forgiveness and Grace. Although this story is shocking and full of twists and turns, it's a beautiful example of the generosity of God's love and expanse of God's forgiveness, all undeserved. All of us have squandered in some way what's been entrusted to us. We have all wandered away and become lost. At some time or another, We have all stumbled in darkness and lost sight of who and what we were meant to be. And yet, God has chosen to forgive us, to accept and pardon our sins, and to welcome us to the table of mercy and grace. He welcomes us sinners and serves us the communion feast. In just a few weeks, Jesus will be where the father is in the parable, out in the darkness where the children of God rebel against him. He will be hanging on the cross, and his response will be words of compassion and grace. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen.